Hey everybody, what's going on? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. It is myself and Greg Piatelli previewing the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. We're a couple days into it, so we look at the first couple games from each series, look at the key matchups, see if our picks are holding up. It was a lot of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what you guys think. As always, though, make sure that you like and share the podcast. Search the bullpen cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Match that subscribe button. Give us a nice five-star review. We'll give you a shout-out on the show. Follow us on Twitter. ThunderBLG is the handle there. The Bullpen Cart Podcast Group on Facebook. Be a part of the conversation. Submit questions. All that good stuff. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram. It's where you can find some of our great content. But enjoy this episode, guys. Hopefully, the Flyers bounce back in Game 2. And here we go. Welcome to this episode of the podcast here on the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am Jordy Cannell, the G-Man. Joining me is my man, all the way up from Boston, Mr. Greg Piantelli. How are you, my friend? Not bad, Jordy. Um, beautiful day here in, in the best city, the, the, the real title town. Um, and uh, not bad. Things are going well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, man. Uh, we're going to talk about the Flyers pretty soon, but, uh, you know, still reeling it in from the, uh, the loss last night. We are doing a second round preview. And we would normally have done this right before the second round started, but the NHL, Greg, decided, you know, we ended first round on Friday night. There's no game sevens. Let's just roll right into it. And they got the, the second round right underway. The ca- the Avs and the Stars, almost at the Cavs, they got it going. Saturday night, the Dallas Stars won game one. They went back to it Monday night, and Dallas won game two. Whoa, are we get, are we jumping right into this series? Let's do it. Yeah, we might as well. I was just gonna I was gonna ask, what was your thoughts in the NHL rolling right right into it instead of giving a couple days off for a little reprieve? Um, I mean, I love it. We talked about it a little bit, um, but the NHL compared to the NBA, you know, the NBA in in a normal year, there's three three days off in between every game, and the NFL or the NHL is is one day, right? So it's game day yeah, off one, game, unless and, they're traveling. Yeah, but even now, like the the Bruins are playing three games in four days. Yeah, back to backs. Um, so it's like you know the NHL knows they have eight teams left. They know they have, uh, you know, they have X a certain amount of times and and all these primetime slots through NBC because there's no other sports going on except for golf and obviously, but um, and the NBA, but that's ESPN. So. They took advantage of it. Might as well go for it. So genius move by them, and um, it worked out because the Bruins played on a Sunday night, which is easy to do. I probably would have not been a fan if it was Saturday night. So I'm glad that the Bruins got the Sunday instead of the Saturday. How how to feel waiting? You were the last. Uh, sorry, the Flyers were the last series to start. How to feel to wait that long? Well, everyone else has already played one. No, it's a it's an interesting question because you're right. It it ended Friday night, which was cool. You know when. Went out to, to Matty D's, put a little golf with his dad, and then uh, went over to his parents' house, watched the game. It was, it was a good Friday night. And then, you know, I had the weekend to relax. But seeing the Avs and Stars get it going, and then a, a Saturday that was just – or a Sunday that was primetime hockey, you know, that was 
It's pretty awesome to see. I was a little surprised they didn't go for like a matinee game. I know this weekend we're going to get some noon hockey. The Flyers play at noon on Saturday. And even and we're getting back to the day games. I do miss them. It's uh but to to answer your question of how it felt to wait. I'm glad they got a couple days off, a, a minute to, you know, catch their breath and everything. I don't know if they played on Sunday and they only had a day off like they had throughout the the Canadian series of the Flyers would have fared better and and how they would have gone there. So I don't know. Game one, we'll, we'll, we'll jump into it in a little bit, but uh, yeah, it was, it was nice to, to have a couple days without my heart feeling like it was going to explode. <laughs> Tough COVID joke. So Jordy, let's hop into it. The first game, first series, Dallas, Colorado, uh, coming to it, Colorado, the two seed Dallas, the three seed. They obviously played in the round Robin and um, it I mean, it's now two nothing Dallas scoring five goals uh, in back to back games, winning five two and five three, um, or five two five two, five three five two maybe five three two. Yeah. So they uh, putting up a lot of points. Ten goals in two games is no joke. Granted, Colorado's starting goaltender uh, got hurt in the middle of the first game. So, but uh, yeah, he got hurt in the middle of the first game. Take that for what you will. Um, but 10 goals is 10 goals. So it's more than just the goalie for that. Jordy going into the series. Well, what would you have said if I said Colorado Dallas before the series started? No thoughts about it. Colorado won in five versus Arizona. Dallas won in, in five or, or six versus six Calgary. against Calgary. Yeah. I six versus Calgary. I mean, I honestly, you know, a couple thoughts immediately. I would have said Colorado. I've, said this number of times in the podcast that I had the avalanche is my cup favorite. Um, and it's crazy with the Dallas stars. Cause they are one of the best defensive teams, in the NHL only 177 goals allowed before the COVID stoppage, which was only bested by your Boston Bruins. But Greg, they only scored 180 games, which there are teams that didn't make the playoffs who outscored them. And now they've come out and scored 10, 10 goals in two games. I want to hold out hope that, that Colorado fights their way back into this. We saw it in the last round. Obviously, it didn't work out for the St. Louis Blues, but they look completely outmatched in the first two games. Now, granted, you mentioned that the goalie problem has uh, really hit Colorado seemingly pretty hard, although uh, Frank Huz, is that is that how you pronounce the, the backup goalie's name? Mm, the lefty. The lefty. Sure, we can call him that. Um, yeah, Grubauer, I mean... He, though, he let up three goals before he, he got removed from the game. Obviously, one of them was when he got hurt. But um, I don't know. I mean, Frank Kuz had been, a, had been a pretty viable backup before that. So you have to think maybe because he just hadn't gotten a ton, a ton of ice time that maybe that's why he was so so slow. Or I don't know. You, could Oban sitting on his head against one of the best offenses in the NHL? So you have to give him a lot of credit there of what he's able to do. He's faced 71 shots and only allowed five goals. So... I feel like that's the real, that's the biggest story. Obviously, he, he and Ben Bishop had had a pretty solid defensive core before COVID and everything. But, you know, Kudobin and, and a couple guys just starting to stick out, like Radulov and, and Pavelski really getting it going. But, you know, you, you got to give the, the stars all credit in the world. I'm hoping the Avalanche pulled out so I can be right because I would have picked him probably in six games before the series started. But, I don't know, two, two goals and, and letting up ten goals is... 
or two games or two losses and letting up 10 goals is a, uh, you know, tough pill to swallow, but that's why you play. That's why it's individual games and not total goals. And you go back to it and Dallas scored seven goals in the, in the final game uh, against Calgary. And so they're just on an absolute tear right now. Yep. That's 17 goals in three games, which is absurd. Um, and in all honesty, for me, I, I, mean, I had too. Calgary beating. Yeah, another comeback. I for me, I had Dallas losing to Calgary. I had Calgary I winning. Too. So, I guess I didn't respect this team because of you know the way they played all year versus and the way they played in the in the the round robin games. Maybe I should have. Um, so that's on me. Hand up. I will. If there's any Dallas Stars fans who. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, I doubt there are. <laughs> that's uh, not a joke I, of Dallas Stars fans. That's a joke that I don't. Apparently, there's someone from Texas that listens to this because I see that on the, the little map that I get from, from SoundCloud. But I don't think that person is a Dallas Stars fan. That has to be one of our relatives. So it's either Bruins, Flyers, maybe a, I don't know, Rangers fan. I don't, I don't know. But maybe we should start. Maybe we should start uh, throwing in some Rangers talk. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, I read a, I read about how they might be able to move up from 24 to 21 with their other first round pick. That's our Rangers. The Texas talk. Rangers. Yeah, the um, Texas Rangers. Texas Rangers. That's what I meant. Well, we did last Sorry. time how they were how, yeah. they, how they don't like hitting grand slams when the other team's up four, <laughs> but they like scoring 30 runs when they're up 20. So so true. So there it so is. True. Jordy, did you uh, work out today? Do you Peloton today? Uh, not yet, not yet. Oh, all right. Well, that's um, a little post. post so, uh, so it's not a good day for you yet. Not, not a good day yet. Not a good day yet. <laughs> Coming off a of Flyers loss, no Peloton, no, uh, no bike, no free ads, no bike. Sorry, my mistake. Uh, yeah, you know, not a good day yet. For those that don't get that and don't listen to the baseball show, go listen to the baseball show. Yeah, that's that's your fault because it was hilarious last episode. So honestly, um, coming into it, it's it's the it's the age old. Thing, right it's old old school nhl physical and size physicality and size which what the stars have obviously they have skill guys and sagan and ben um and they're young defensemen but then going against chicago or colorado speed and skill right it's it's the speed skill game so it's it's the eight it was uh st louis and vancouver in round one and now it's dallas colorado in round two I, again i would have said colorado because i have them losing to Vegas, and I really want Vegas, Colorado in the next round. But um, I guess now, I guess I just just so I don't look like I'm changing my pick, I have to take Dallas or Colorado, and I'm going to stay in seven because Dallas came out to play. Yeah. Um, Spotted them I think, too. Yeah, I think the scary thing is uh, after watching the first two games is Colorado's forwards just sort of. Their depth. I mean, they have McKinnon, and that line is clicking. But other than that, the the other lines have just been nowhere to be found. And yeah, that's that's maybe probably, that's a big takeaway from from the Colorado side of things. Yeah, and maybe it was my fault for not doing more research in terms of how much they dominated Arizona and how bad Arizona looked, because the fact that Arizona barely scored any goals, I thought you know maybe Colorado going into the playoffs. We said it in the preview play, preview. Pod, I said Colorado's goaltending is their weak spot, and it depends on what kind of goaltending they can get in order if they want to make a deep run. And they're already shaky at goalie. Their starting goalie goes out. This is the recipe for me for them 
to lose this round. Even though, again, yeah, sadly I'm the injury bug got... is is making it is making a uh, its difference well known in this because they've they lost a couple defensemen of their on the more veteran side. So now the young guys need to step up a little more. And not, not that they're not. Kale McCarr looks looks decent, but he's not getting on the score sheet as much as as much as you might want him to see it. And like you mentioned, McKinnon. He's already he's scored three of the five goals that they have, and the other two with their other big names. Landis Gog, who scored his first goal of the playoffs in the first game, and then Rottenen, who's who's looked solid, but it seemed like in five on five that they were completely lost. And I think a lot of that goes back to A, Dallas's goaltending and B, their their defensive core. And their defensive core is, is showing them up physically. Yeah, and and I mean, I guess Dallas when you're clicking, you're hot, you're, everything's going well. All the bounces seem to go in your way. The puck seems to find your stick in, in ideal and opportune moments. And that's going well for Dallas right now. And, and Colorado is going to need to somehow tilt it and change it and get things back on their side to turn the series around. Yeah, for sure. Um, but are you I, shocked? I mean, I guess, uh, yeah. That this is the first time they've met in 14 years in the playoffs, Colorado and Dallas. No, because we remember Colorado when we grew up. Yeah, I guess so. That's a and, that's a good point. Dallas, there was a lot of dark when, years yeah. with the with the Avalanche, right? And see, and and stars too. I mean, we remember Colorado and Dallas when we grew up. The Dallas won the cup, or was that close winning cup? Colorado won a cup. I think da- you know, the Dallas West... won. They won one because Buffalo yeah. Sabres fans are still talking about it. Um, but I was and... gonna say the, the this was Did they win like, two. That, no, that Colorado the, won I think two. Won. Colorado yeah. won two. But that was like that was our childhood. You know, that was sort of the the Western confidence was just the cream of the crop now it's switched a little bit but that was them colorado dallas detroit Detroit, you know it's just a that team somewhere that team in that state that's somewhere between here and new york city (laughs) which i've talked about random ass commercials that we've seen a a billion times we've not mentioned the martin brodeur enterprise commercial that one he's done a lot of them this is to be, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's there's so many bad memories of the New Jersey Devils from 1990. My, my earliest memories of watching sports through basically going to Berkshire before the lockout in, in eighth grade uh, of just Brodeur shutting down the Flyers. Obviously, the Devils coming back from 3-1 in 2000 and then going on to win. Uh, and then even after the lockout, he was still awesome for like seven more years. Sorry. You got, you're you're getting some... Un, some uh, Less filtered Jordy now because I'm a, you know, it's a bad week, bad week for me. Sports well, bad day. You, have, you, have, you haven't biked yet, but you no, that, yet. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that commercial is terrible, but just because not terrible, but it, you know, he's, Oh, I won so many cups, but it's like, he only named three. So, you know, can you say that's a lot? Anyway, uh, let's move on to the other series in the West. Turn conference played in Edmonton. Currently Vegas, Golden Knights, Vancouver Canucks, Vegas, uh, a round robin team ended up uh, beating Chicago in five games in the first round, and then Vancouver beat Minnesota in the qualifying round in four games. Then beat St. Louis, uh, a St. Louis uh, defending cup champs in six. St. Louis team that really, for all intents and purposes, did not look anywhere close to the same team. Did not no. get the same goaltending, not the same scoring. Just not. I mean, we. I said it from the beginning that they were a slow starting team. I predicted uh, Vancouver beating them in the first place so props to me the only one i got wrong was uh no you calgary dallas dallas no you had uh you had st louis and seven you were close to picking vancouver 
that you had officially uh, St. Louis in seven. Right. The only one I had wrong. That was the only one I had wrong. I did pick Dallas. Okay. No, you right, had Calgary. You, you had two wrong. No. Well, I not on my wrong. NHL. Not on my NHL thing. Weird. Anyway. Um, so for me, Jordy, going into the series, again, we know what happened in game one, but going into the series, 1,000%, Vegas, my team, to lose the Bruins in the, in the cup final. Uh, I would have said Vegas. I still do say Vegas. And to me, it's because of not only experience, but they are top to bottom just. They're better. Shift after shift, you know, they are just putting the pressure on. And to me, that just from physical to skill, they're a team that will, that is nonstop. Uh, and I think Vancouver showed fight, tough, grit from doing what they did to St. Louis uh, and even Minnesota. So it's like they had two teams that really prepared them for Vegas. You know, Vancouver has been that speed and skill team that had to play physical versus Minnesota and St. Louis two physical teams and they are proving that they can play both games and make these slower physical teams try and keep up and play the style that Vancouver wants. So that's the thing that's been impressive about me so far. Granted they're young, but this is perfect for them experience wise. And because of the tune up, if you will, that they've had going into it, I can very easily can see Vancouver winning again. I think Vegas does it. Uh, and I think we get a game seven, you think so? Two games, two, two game sevens in Edmonton. Um, love it. But, Jordy, give me your breakdown and then tell us about game one. Yeah, so I had Vegas in six, and I'm not changing from that after game one. I, for a lot of the same reasons you said. I just think they're deeper. We've seen that now for three straight years from the Golden Knights. And their top line is just so good. And it's a lot of people are talking about what, what Vancouver could could be if they're a you know Blackhawks dynasty in the making, that type of thing, because of how they have these young guys who are all, you know, all similar pedigrees of either winning or getting close to winning the the Calder Trophy, and they have kind of an interesting goaltending situation. They have young defense. They have all this sort of stuff, and it's something that we called into question a couple times. Of you know, when when would the youth catch up? And we thought about it maybe with Minnesota. We didn't really think about it with St. Louis, but we both kind of thought St. Louis will figure this out. They'll they'll turn it on. And it was not the case. Obviously, Vancouver gets through it and, and convincingly got through St. Louis, which is why I think six games, but Vegas's depth and their top guys, which brings us to game one, are just so much better. And they're just so good. And they're able to, they're just able to get it done. I mean, all five guys who scored in that game, Marsha Show Smith, Stone, Tuck, and Pacioretty, are the guys that you expect that at any point of time can take over a game on their own, let alone if all five of them are scoring and they all in their own different ways got the job done pretty well. And we might be, you might be there listening and thinking, oh, they're just saying that because Tuck's had a great playoffs. He's been a great player for years. And just like a lot of these guys in Vegas may have been on a team that, you know, he just wasn't the guy or got hidden away or they maybe thought not enough of him and, you know, let him walk, traded him, whatever. And this is all Vegas players, not just Tuck. But now is shining with with the Golden Knights team. And lo and behold, they get Robin Leonard from the Blackhawks, who, similar mindset. Now, granted, Leonard was on a one-year deal anyway. He, let, he leaves the New York Islanders to go off on his own to try to prove things. 
And he's been outstanding for him. And there's all this different drama with Flurry in the background and, and all this different stuff. But he's but everybody's been outstanding this way. And there's a number of different dudes that have been outstanding on their defense. Nate Schmidt and Alec Martinez being two guys that that are standing completely on on their heads, which is normally reserved for goalies, but look incredible defensively. So this is something I don't think that this is gonna it's gonna shake me from unpicking six games for Vegas. You know, say, thinking five, I don't think a sweep, because I think Vancouver is that good and is going to show some guts and pull something out. Especially Markstrom, I think, going back to that similar interesting goalie situation, this is a guy who I feel like will come back probably in game two and do very well. And by the time the listeners are hearing this, you'll know the result of game two. But Vancouver's goalie, yeah. Vancouver's goalie, yes, Markstrom. And maybe maybe they steal game knotted up. But I, I just think Vegas lasts, outlasts them. And, and especially if this thing starts to get a little more physical and – Vegas wants to slow it down, which they can do. I just think that's uh, something they have to their advantage. Yeah, I, 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 the reason why, I mean, five nothing is a huge thing, and I think the reason why I am doing that is because unlike last year when you sat uh, normal playoffs, when when you win early and you sit and wait for everyone else to finish. You get distractions of home. You get comfortable. The season's over. The weather's nice. You start to hang out, go outside, blah, blah, blah. In this scenario, you end early. You have no choice but to work out, hang out with the boys. All you're doing is just building chemistry. So in some ways, to me, it kind of feels like <laughs> it feels like ending early is a is finally a benefit, unlike you know, before where it takes a couple of days, a couple of minutes to get back into it, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that's where I think Vegas came out to prove a point. Five, nothing is no joke, but I really agree. I think, I think Vancouver doesn't take it lightly. I think Pedersen, Horvat, I mean, I think they all Hughes, JT Miller, Brock Besser. I mean, they have some serious guys who can Tyler Mott has been playing well. They have some serious guys who can, who can make some, turn this thing around a little bit. Um, Jordy Ben, Jamie Ben's brother, right? Mm-hmm. But they, they, to me, I just think that because of Minnesota, because of um, St. Louis, I feel like they had the perfect tune-up, if you will. They, they got two physical teams that had depth, maybe not as met, obviously not as much as depth as Vegas, but uh they had that and then you would have hoped that St. Louis would have given them the goaltending challenge but obviously uh Bennington was a one hit wonder and and uh Jake Allen he was fine. yeah yeah he, he did he did he, he nodded the series up you're right you're right you're right but when you when you when you're back up and then you come in and yeah it's you're yeah, right it catches up yes eventually because just mentally you just can't it has to catch up. Um, but I mean, Pedersen 13 points so far is uh, in the 11 games in the playoffs is pretty good. So I feel like if Pedersen, because he really got shut down by that, that uh, O'Reilly line from St. Louis. And it looks like so far Vegas is having Reeves cover him or the Reeves line, the physical line of that. So will Pedersen be able to figure it out and, and get on the board and, and get some 
points this series, hopefully. Um, Revo's defense has been a human highlight reel. If you haven't checked that out, a number of different outlets have put it out there of just like, you know, 30-second clips of him covering guys, guys drawing penalties on him, and then him chirping them from, you know, from the face-off dot or whatever. It's hilarious. Yeah, and I think he gets a bad rap because he is a he is he came into the league as a fighter, but he really he's a skilled a player. Good, he's a good two way player for yeah. sure, and he knows. I mean, he's almost you could argue Lucic in his prime, like when they That's won a good the comparison. cup. Yeah, when they won the cup, maybe a little better defensively than Lucic was, but that's yeah, that it feels like that type of game to me. Um, Jordy, we predicted the West. Should we head over to the two series that hit a little hit a, hit a little close to home for the two of us? Yeah, we might as well. Uh, we're going to go positive or negative first. Um, you know, Jordy, I always like to end on a positive. Okay. <laughs> I like to if, – if there's good news and bad news, I like to hear the bad news first and then, and then give me the good news. All right, so the Flyers and the Islanders. Another series. The Flyers uh, had not played them since the 80s, way back when the divisions were still named after the NHL legends. Game one last night, Greg. Flyers lost 4 nothing. It was a uh, it was not a good game from the Flyers. They they came out slow in the first period. Carter Hart stood on his head. It was one nothing. Flyers actually came out really, really strong in the second period and had a, had a great one. And Seaman Varlamov stood on his head and... You know, a couple missed opportunities, a couple shots off the post, a couple missed breakaways. Kevin Hayes notably won, uh, you know, still won nothing. And then the floodgates opened in the third period. Um, a couple bad turnovers, a couple fast breaks. The Flyers just didn't defend well. It's 3 nothing, And with about 7 minutes and 30 seconds left, out of nowhere, quite literally because not even NBC Sports realized the Flyers did this, Elaine Vigneault pulls Carter Hart and a freak bounce as the Islanders were clearing goes all the way down and scores. And the Islanders end up winning 4-0. Uh, the Flyers showed some fight. You were texting me throughout the game. Showing Voracek at the end of the first period. Getting into a little bit of a, of a tussle behind the net. And, and throughout the game. You know, we started to see it a little bit towards the end of the, the Montreal series. But uh, the offense doesn't get it going. And, you know, it, it, it's a bummer to see. It was very deflating last night. I, uh, on my walk home and, and for the rest of the night was not, was not too happy. I had to get some work done and, you know, uh, wasn't very happy throughout that, but, um, yeah, I mean, the biggest positive for the Flyers there is Carter Harden and how good he looked, especially with a couple of highlight reel saves he made. Uh, some of those goals, you know, not the best goals to let up, but it's tough when the guys around you are, are kind of skating with like, I don't, I kept yelling that they look like Bantams or Peewees and alternating between the two, but a lot of the guys just, you know, they came out a little flat and I think we're just having to play catch up so quickly because Andy green, the, the longtime vet, former devil captain sniped earlier on and, and playing catch up against a team that in a Barry trots type of system. And I don't want to sound like I'm completely biased. I'm just giving the fire breakdown. You know, in that, in that Barry trots type of a system, they know how to shut it down. And then, the thing that the Islanders have done so well this year is not only do they lock it down and win one, nothing, they're able to then crank it up and get some of their bigger names to really get it going. And Pajot, once again, getting his name on the scoreboard, Anders Lee in that, in that fast break I mentioned, he got on the board there. So you got to give the Islanders credit. They were prepared. 
I really think of and and for a little inside baseball to, to everybody listening. When Greg and I hop on Zoom, Greg yells, "It's the goalie from D two, the Mighty Ducks." And to, to quote <laughs> that movie of when they lose to Iceland twelve one in the middle of the movie of Julie the Cat goes, Coach uh, Coach Stanson he prepared for us he knew how to beat us and that's kind of what it felt like was that the islanders knew exactly how to shut the flyers down the flyers i don't know if they were just they they thought we can get back to it because both teams can move quick they're we're both young we're both spry hopping teams or whatever but it seemed like the islanders with their system were a lot more prepared for last night than the flyers were yeah and and again another case of a team ending early and getting a chance to bond, work out together, play together. And again, when like last year, you sound like I'm repeating myself, but there's so many distractions. You go home, you have your family, blah, blah, blah. You're in the bubble, you have your teammates and that's it. So already, you know, they are a close knit team that plays a defensive style that, that, wants to counter. They want you to turn the puck over at the blue line. They want to get the two on one. They want to get out in, in transition. You know, they, they are a team that almost plays a trap, but that will sit back, force to turnover, get some good goaltending, make a save. And they're off. They're off for the races. They're in transition. They're do they're trying to get odd man rushes. And the flyers uh, on the other hand are a team that loves to engage their defense. Doesn't necessarily get a ton of scoring from their forwards without generating from the point first if that makes sense right no, they, they, the flyers love to to run a slingshot and for those that don't know what i mean think about how many times you see a couturier a Hayes, a Giroux fly between the defensemen they they kind of cir- they drop it and circle back like greg's saying they engage it and they zoom in and that's how they try to get it done get a quick shot off and then have a Hayes, a Couturier, physical guys like to get to the front of the net. Or even a Voracek, a JVR, right. who was not playing last night. Joel Farabee's been a really good example of this in the regular season, and especially in the last couple games, of guys who like to crash in and try to make that offense happen. So you're 1,000% right there. Yeah, and, and, and with a team like the Islanders, who are stacking four or five guys on the blue line and not allowing Philly to enter and, and pressing out on the defense – Outside of Gossip Fair, you know, at least last night, it looked like the Flyers' defense was not prepared for that type of in-your-face uh, pressure. The Canadians, the first-round matchup for the Flyers, are much more pack it in in front of Price, protect the middle of the ice, let let everyone else hang out on the outside. And the Islanders are in-your-face defense all over the ice. Again, they want to stop you entering the zone and get out and run in transition. You saw it when the Capitals won. It was that same sort of same coach, but it was the same sort of transition game. Stop them at the stop them at the point of attack and get out and run. And the Flyers need to adjust now because they are a physical team that likes to play down low. They are going to have to turn around, dump it in, and get it low because yeah, that's and and then beat the guys to the puck, you know, gain the red and, and even maybe even gain the dots and, and get it in that way. Cause they're, they're, I don't know if they're fast, their forwards are fast enough to beat the Islander defensemen to the puck. So they have to figure out how to enter the zone and allow their big bodies to go to work. Um, and I hate to say it. I, I, I have the flyers winning it um, before the series started. I'd picked the flyers in six, but um, you know, I hate to say it, but the flyers, 
right now, the way they're playing five on five, do not look like they have the depth to 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 match the Islanders. Which no, is and, that, and a that's cra- a crazy thought after the round robin. No, and it's I don't make picks on Philly teams, but I don't feel I did not feel comfortable going into last night of how the series would go. I wasn't sure if they'd get it done. I think it's still going to go to six games. I don't know which side. I, I mean, a game seven would be gut-wrenching, but I could see it happening too. To your point, they, there's a lot of adjustments that need to be made for that to hopefully happen. That being said, the Flyers got blown out in game two of that of that uh, Canadian series and came out defensively strong, offensively not so much. But the I don't know what it is of, of why the offense, even in the round robin, I mean, they scored four goals in, in two games, one of which was you know that Tampa game that we talked about it at length. Uh, right at the first round preview, so you know, take that what it is. But I don't know. There, there's something that needs to be done. You mentioned it at dump and chase. I don't know if you want to go. You flip it from one side to the other and set up Vorchek or set up Farabee, Obey Kubel, whomever. If there, if there need to be some of those prospects, we talked about all the way at the beginning of the round robin preview, guys. That I hoped that we'd see get a little more, a little more action, like Morgan Frost, who we haven't even seen play a single game in the playoffs which I would have thought we'd see something like that or get Connor Bunneman, who was a, a little bit, I think he was active last night, uh, but get a guy like him. He, he looked great in, in some of the earlier games, some of these bigger names. Um, Nate Thompson looked a little bit lost last night. Derek Grant, who had himself a really physical end of that Canadian series. I don't know, get him involved in, in some capacity, maybe move him out to a wing and, and do something like that. But you're absolutely right that if they're not going to outspeed them, which right now it does not look like they are, that they need to get a little more physical and get something involved of trying to trip them up because it is about entering the zone and then establishing themselves that way because that's that's how they like to play and that's that's what had gotten them going when they uh, when the ball was really rolling in February and uh, the beginning of March. Yeah, and, and no team, I mean, no team was on as much as a tear as, as the Islanders were after that, after that first round, they took it. If this is not meant, if there are Islanders fans listening to this, this is not where we'll talk about them in a second. Just me being a Flyers fan. That's where I, my mind immediately goes to all credit to the Islanders. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, we kind of said it from the beginning, we said it going into the, to the, the round Robin. And I guess after the round Robin, every single team, except for the Flyers, took the round robin for what it was as, as an exhibition, as a warm-up game, as a warm-up round, if you will. And the Flyers... Well, except for Vegas. The, Vegas took it. Uh, sorry, in the East. Sorry, okay. in the East. Yeah. Sorry, in Let's the say East. Let's say Vegas has not stopped since the round robin. Oh, sorry, in the East. In the East. And the Flyers, I mean, the Flyers, to their credit, you know, that's the game they need to play and want to play, but they didn't get the intensity and the stuff, the, the, the you know, whatever, the intensity that they got that they needed, I should say. And it kind of hurt them in Montreal. And, the, and again, the problem with Montreal and the difference with Montreal and the Islanders is the Canadians, Claude Julien, the Bruins did the same thing. They love to pack it in, play it tight, keep it between the dots, keep everything in the middle of the ice and press out. So like keep the puck outside of the outside and the goaltender will stop the shots from the outside. And that's, that's how they play. Whereas the Islanders are in your face. They're fast. They're young. They're relentless. They're they're going hard. They're pressuring you. There are no easy entries to the zone. You're not getting in the zone easily. 
and they have a goaltender right now uh, in Varmalov. Yeah, Varmalov, who is playing lights out, making this team extremely dangerous. Uh, and if and if Barzell can figure out his scoring touch again and find that next year, like we saw last year a little bit, this is a real dangerous team. So I understand your your worry. I think the biggest issue, at least that I saw last night, is the Flyers played that that Voracek and uh, Giroux line way too much. Oh, yeah. It, they, I mean, that's the biggest problem. We mentioned this a little bit with Colorado of that exact thing, and that's why I, I got a little tripped up on the third and fourth liners, mainly that fourth line that we saw a little bit of, but if they didn't look lost, they just were completely off the – they were out of mind. They were completely yeah. out of sight, and it's right. it's tough to, to think because they – and it's something that they actually did a really good job of at the end of that Canadian series that they were present. They were so, they were so alive. And we mentioned that with the flyers that their depth looked so impressive. And, and the fact that that wasn't the case and that the, the Islanders, frankly, their depth was all over the place. And that, and that Taves guy looks really good. And yeah, they were uh, rel- I mean, they, relentless. They were, they were yeah. yeah. Relentless. And, and that's what I was saying is in watching that game, like, it was one nothing, but it it was one nothing forever because of Carter Hart. And, yeah, no, I was about, yeah, it should. I mean, it was it was, 50, it was the shots were fifteen to five to start the game. You know, the Islanders, the like you said, the Flyers were just not prepared for the Islanders, and they the the Iceland the Iceland quote was perfect. I know we're circling back to it, but props to you, that was perfect analogy because analysis because realistically, Trotz, Trotz the, knew how to how to match them up. Yeah, and the Flyers. The Flyers were not prepared for for the Islanders' style of play, and I think the adjustment will happen. And I think the big issue is, or the big thing for me that hopefully the Flyers figure out is, like you said, the young guys getting a chance to play more. It's so hard to get in the rhythm of the game when you get one or two shifts in, in a period, and then you have to wait another twenty minutes for the ice cut. And then you have you get one or two shifts in the second, and then you're expected to go out and have a good third period, and, and you know that you're playing two shifts a period. You, you're not going to, you're not even breaking a sweat. You're not getting yeah. into the game doing that. So like Pitt look, look good in the second period. And I feel like I barely saw him in the third. Yeah. And I understand Drew is your big guy, but he hasn't, he hasn't scored yet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He has yeah, a bunch of assists, I, but he has not right. found the back and net. I, and, and outside of the power play, like generating five on five, that line is not your answer. You, you the Hayes line is, is generating more and they're the third line. So, you know, no, he's line me two. Out. He's well, that that lines too. Yeah, well, figure that figure it out. You know what I mean? Like it's it's they need to the Flyers need to trust the young third and fourth liners. They need to they need to play like the team that went three and zero. They need to play like the team that came out and stomped Montreal a little bit. And uh, again, I I had I had I have Philadelphia winning uh, in six, but you know, hopefully they are better prepared for game two. Yeah, exactly. So let's move over to the Bruins because I feel like people were sick of hearing the ones that aren't Philly fans, the non-Philly people are sick of hearing me talk about the Flyers. Um, although we got some good some good feedback from non-Phillies fans about my Phillies rant last on, in the baseball podcast. So who knows? Who knows what people think? Let us know. Tweet at us. But let's go to the Bruins, Greg, because I am excited to talk about them. I had the Bruins winning originally. Because I a I I have futures on the Bruins and not on the Tampa Bay Lightning, but B I think they they were so good for so long and that the 
I just I'm glad that we get this series. I'm bummed it has to be in the second round because despite going from the divisional format that we go back to reseeding and you still got him in round two. But I think the Bruins going back to it of just dynamic players and I don't know. I, it's hard for me to put into words of, of because Tampa's just as deep, but I like what guys like a coil guys like a, at Charlie McAvoy, these, these different guys and, and not that a Kalorn or, I mean, a number of different dudes that have been on the back end of both offense and defense for Tampa, like Zach Bogosian, who's looked unreal after they got him off fucking waivers from, from Buffalo. I mean, it's, 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 the Sabres it, have to be it, kicking it's, themselves it's, for that. But yeah. to finish and my it thought, it almost, I have Bruins in seven, like, so please yeah. jump into it. No, no, sorry. I was just going to help you out. It almost sounds like you're you're talking about experience. You know, yes, as, that's as probably crazy the best as, way to put it. Yeah. As crazy as it is to say, the experience that Boston has from the cup run, from the deep playoffs the last couple of years versus Tampa, who's been first-round exit. Yeah, and I think that's that's a really good point of, of experience. And I feel like they're more of a team. You mentioned it, guys. That And granted, both teams really figure out how to get it done in, in this first round. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think that there's anything about that, but I feel like these guys, because maybe because they made the deep run or because they've had these, these trials and tribulations from losing to Tampa two years ago to having to play Toronto a billion times and all this different stuff, losing to Ottawa three years ago and all this, st- this stuff and not a ton of turnover and adding guys as time went on. I just feel like they're a closer team. They're more experienced I don't know. I just feel like that that it's pointing in that way for Boston and not to give anything to Tampa because what they were able to do after really showing the hangover of that complete sweeping and upset from last year, the way they were able to turn it around and get themselves all the way back into second place is very commendable. And the way that they've looked throughout the playoffs, I mentioned it, young guys, not even young guys, guys that similar to that Vegas attitude guys, that Tampa in just a smart way of making roster moves were able to bring them in and they look like they're a part of this team without a hitch, but being a big one, but guys like, uh, um, Tucker Pullman and all these different guys, they're really good. So I, I do think this is going to go seven games. The one thing that I think is also a favor to Boston, but maybe against me thinking seven Vasilevsky has looked shaky and he looked a little shaky in game one, all credit to Tampa of, of clawing their way back into this to make it three, two. But I do think that the Bruins have a little bit of his number, even though two years ago, it didn't go their way. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing for me is two years ago, like you're saying Toronto or sorry, uh, Tampa Bay lost to, to the Bruins. Uh, sorry. They Bruins beat the Bruins. Tampa, yeah. Yeah, they beat the Bruins four to one. Granted, very different teams, but to me, I feel like this series was always destined to go seven. These two teams, one two, they've been the top two teams for the last X amount of years. I think game one went the Bruins' way. I obviously picked the Bruins in seven, but game one went the Bruins' way because you mentioned it. Tampa was making up for emotionally for that loss against Columbus. They were riding the high of finally beating Columbus, getting out of the first round. All right. They were down three, nothing and ended up losing three, two, but that's the, that's the, it's the slow start that got them, but it, they were so emotional and so 
excited and happy that they won, if you will, right? That they turned around and laid an egg in the first period and the second period and, and finally found it in the third. But that to me is, is the only reason why game one went the Bruins way uh, just because you mentioned Bogosian, but Hedman is yeah. the real deal. This dude is unreal. Victor Hedman, defenseman for them, probably to argue he's the best. Well, he was the best player in game one easily. Um, blocking shots, two goals, you know, making plays all over the ice. He is the real deal. I think I, the only reason, the only thing, if the Bruins can continue to get goaltending from Halak like they did last night, or sorry, Sunday night, then I believe the Bruins will win in seven. But it all comes down to Halak for me. He's the key for the rest of this time because the Bruins have the skill. They have they can play a physical game. They can play a fast game. That you mentioned, they have the depth. They have the four lines. They they have a couple guys who can rotate in and out of the third line. That they can play a physical game with Richie, or they can play you know a. a fast game with Stadnetic, uh, and it's just a matter of where they want to be. Krejci's on a, in a, in a playoff Krejci, he's on another level. So this, this, the Bruins team forward defensively are well, are good. It comes down to goaltending and how they protect Halak and how they play defensive strategy with a goaltender that may not be as good as or is not as good as Rask. You know, you have to play a different style and protect your goaltender, which changes your game. It really does. Um, and then you look at Tampa, who top to bottom, you mentioned it, they maybe not four lines, but they have three lines, three and a half lines that are just as good. They have physical, they have speed. You know, they have Johnson's been around that forever. The, the differences without uh, Stamkos, you know, can they, do they have enough five on five offense it took it took a defenseman scoring two goals, but do they have enough five on five offense to match and keep up with Boston? That's that that to me is is Tampa's biggest question mark. They're going to do well. Vasilevsky's going to be great in goal. They're going to do well defensively. They have just as good as defensive six or seven guys as as Boston. Can they get five on five goals from point from? Uh, yeah, that's what know, I was going to say. Points been from Kucherov, Maroon, you know. Piquet, Gord, Goodrow, Coleman, you know, can these guys produce five on five and match whatever the Boston four lines do, right? Because that's how Boston beats team is, is yes, their first line is their first line, but it's the, it's the pressure from the fourth line. It's the pressure from the third line. It's the fact that Krejci can go out and carry, carry two rookies and, and get points with those guys on his line. It's, it's the fact that all four lines are a threat to score can Tampa match that? No, that's a really good point. And not to sound punny, but Braden Point is probably, he might be the most important player in the series. Because if he takes it over like he did in a number of those games against the Blue Jackets, it could be really spell trouble if he if he figures out a way to, figures out the cheat code, if you will, around, around Halak. And I feel like you're right, Halak becomes a huge factor as well. But on the Tampa side, it's him, it's, Obviously, Hedman is on a completely different level, like you mentioned. I mean, they have a, a number of different guys, too, that, that from their blue line that can do really well, like a Shattenkirk, a Sorelli. You mentioned Tyler Johnson. You mentioned that, that forward core that 
has been really good, but we need to see we need to see more of right. Um, and I feel like if they they really start getting it going, it could be could be disastrous, but it could also it, there might be that that level of it. And I think it's a big it's a big credit to the Bruins that in the first game they made their a really solid top six almost invisible and that it's just a it's a huge testament to how well of a defensive forward team they are you know not just Bergeron but a number of different forwards who know how to shut it down and and play very defensive forward hockey yeah and and realistically the only reason why the Bruins lost to Stanley Cup last year not the only reason but a, a big reason is because St. Louis got smart and realized that if we put O'Reilly against Bergeron, that line, O'Reilly's line will be able to, because of the physicality, because they can push them around a little bit and because Pasa is borderline afraid of contact, that line can neutralize the first line that for, for Boston being Marshawn, Pasternak, and, and Bergeron. But I don't know if Tampa has that in their deck right now. Outside of Pat Maroon, the second line there, I don't really know, or third line, I don't really know what their answer is for Boston's first line, Boston's second line. You know, I think they have, they have the, the physical physicality of third and fourth lines, but, you know, maybe not as skilled. But I really think the Bruins, like you mentioned, that first line can, can shut down any first line in hockey. Uh, it's a matter of who can shut them down. Exactly. Yeah, and I think the, the, the blue line that, the, that both teams sport are good enough to – to try to trap another team, it's it's gonna go seven. It has to. It will Just go seven. It, going into it, I knew it was gonna go seven, and yeah. and again, my my heart won't be able to handle it. And it really comes down to Vasilevsky. Like Vasilevsky is gonna be great for Tampa. And it, it, what are, what are the Bruins gonna get from a Halak one? And how are they gonna change their defensive plan to protect him? Because he let up a lot of shaky goals in the first round against. Um, against Carolina and the reason I lost, you know, he let up some very weak goals. Granted they won in four and five games, but he looked good last night, but those were two outside shots from the point that he let in. So what, what can they expect and how can they protect him? Uh, and I think it's not letting Tampa who wants to be in transition, not letting them get in transition, keeping, like you said, the defenseman, the matchup between the defensemen, it's it's almost chalk. Yep, no, I totally agree. So uh, yeah, so we're on the similar on the same page. I still feel pretty confident in in. Well, I say that, but I feel like I have to say that I still feel pretty confident in Avalanche beating the Bruins in the final. But uh, Dallas could pretty quickly shut me up if something doesn't turn around in a uh, game I mean, three of that it's series. So, it's so tough because you know here we are both saying seven games and. Obviously, we're saying the Bruins, but it's like, how can you? How can we sit here and say game se- game seven is truly anyone? It could go either way. It's a it's a bounce of the puck. I was convinced it was going to happen in that Flames Dallas series because just because I thought, oh, there's no way that that Calgary's going to roll over and die. I mean, it's a crazy it's a crazy thing to think about. Yeah, I mean, without Kachuk though, they just yeah, fell apart. Yeah, they so. really did. But yeah, so. Um, <clears throat> That's the second round, Jordy. I I had Boston. You have uh, you didn't pick the Flyers. I have the Flyers bouncing back, uh, even though it seems like the rest of the NHL is picking the Islanders. Um, or rest, not the NHL. Rest the rest of the of the, uh, the, the quote unquote hockey smart guys. 
Yeah, I mean, and that was pretty, you'd think that was going to be pretty obvious, the way that the two teams looked in the first round. Um, yeah. Even, even thinking Coast, like, oh, you're going with, you're going with a hot hand or do we really, you know, whatever. I mean, the Islanders looked better and last night showed it. Yeah. West Coast, we both have abs in seven, even though realistically we're not confident in that right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, you had Vegas in five, four? And six. And six. Yeah. And I have Vegas in, I guess, seven, but. We'll call it six. I, I can't pick. I can't pick four or three out of four series going seven games, <laughs> which I just did. But it'd be fun. I mean, we have a blast. Wild. I mean, I would not have a blast. But the, the the I'm so so. I'm not getting as high and low for these first five six five games. I'm not getting as high as low for these first five games because sure, whoever has a three two lead going into game six and seven, you would think in theory has an advantage. Yeah. But the Bruins had a lead going into 3-2, going into 6-7 and seven last year in the final, and the cup final, and they lost. So, well, And how many times did the Bruins come back from being 3-2? Right, exactly. Yeah. So so to me, I'm I'm reserved, my, I've, I've resigned myself that this series is going 7, so I'm looking at next weekend and uh, next week, Tuesday, Monday, whatever, whatever game 7 is. Uh, that's going to be uh, don't text, don't call. <laughs> yeah, so the, the... – Bruins would be their game seven would be a week from tomorrow next Wednesday. The Flyers would and Islanders would play a back to back game six on Tuesday the second, game seven on on uh, Wednesday the third or wow or Wednesday the second, Thursday the third. Which is I forgot to mention this. We were talking about the the Flyers Islanders series. They play a back to back games two and three, which we saw what happened in the in the keeps fucking up the saying the Islanders, I mean the, the Canadians. When we saw in the Canadian series of Carter Hart post a shutout in the day game. They play a night game on the, the second half of the back-to-back. And he comes in, and, and it was not his best game. So that's that that's also a big factor, too, of if Brian Elliott comes in. We haven't seen him since Carter Hart got pulled in game two. And even then, you know, he only played, you know, a little more than a period. So if Brian Elliott gets called on for a game, that hold on to your hats because that could be a wild one. No chance he's he's getting any playing time unless Carter Hart gets pulled. That's what I'm hoping, but who knows? No chance. I think I think it's good for the first round. You know, Vegas did it, but it's good for the first round. Zero chance you can do it for the second. Yeah. All right. Well, Greg, anything else before we wrap this thing up? No. Great pod. Great pod. Everybody, thank you so much for checking this out. Let us know what you think of our picks, what you disagree with. If you are a Dallas Stars fan, let us know you exist. And Greg, we'll be back later this week, whether it's with you or somebody else for the baseball show. But until then, let's go Flyers. Go Bruins, Jordy. Go Flyers. Hey, hey.